Timothy chapter 3, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Stand with me. Go ahead and stand. Yeah, you're good. Uh, and gentlemen, I'm going to be running in here quite a bit, so uh, as long as you don't mind me getting up in your grill and in your space, I'm fine with it. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then we'll jump to 1 Timothy 4, and then 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look if you would at verse 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare as specifically in the last days. Spiritual warfare in the last days. Um, and if you are a student of the Word of God, you're, you're, you, you probably understand that things are heating up the closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, look if you would at verse number 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, try to win them. Is that what it says? What does it say? Okay, just make sure we got the same book. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, ever learning, ever learning. That's the we live in the information age. I know this and I know this and I know this and I, yeah, but you can be full of the devil and know a lot of stuff. Uh, it's not just about learning and the accumulation of information. It is about the spirit of God helping you to apply that information in a way that edifies others. All right, look if you would at verse number uh, 8. Now, as Janus and Jambres, this is very unique because it gives names of people that you would not have any other way without the, the, the Spirit of God inspiring uh, Paul the Apostle to give us this information. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, who are they? The magicians in Egypt. So do these also what? Resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecution, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly, in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. So we, we see here that Paul gives some insight into what the last days of the church will look like. Uh, we're not talking, by the way, let me be very clear, when I'm talking about the last days, and I'm, I'm reading 2 Timothy 3, I'm not talking about the same last days that the disciples, the apostles, asked Jesus about. Because they, if you look at that in Matthew 13, is what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? All right, this is the last days. I'm talking about the last days of the church. Why? Because you're the church. All right, you're, you're not going to be here for the tribulation. We're going to look at some things that happened then. But I want to talk about the last days of you being here and what you are going to encounter in these last days. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Look at verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, the latter times of what? The church. That's who he's talking to. Now, Timothy, young preacher in the church, in the body of Christ. Some shall depart from the what? Faith. Giving heed to seducing what? Spirit. And doctrines of what? All right, look, if you would, at uh, 2, Tim, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians, just, just to the left there by one book, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number 2. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Uh, I, I'm not going to do a whole study on this right now, guys, but the day of Christ refers to uh, primarily two events uh, kind of wrapped together. It is the rapture of the church, the Lord coming back and receiving his own unto himself, as he said that he would in John 14, as he promises in John 16, as he tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as he tells us in Titus chapter 2, the blessed hope, so on and so forth. And, and also one other thing, the judgment seat of Christ. Those things are kind of connected because you don't get to the judgment seat without first getting raptured. Make sense? 
All right, so, so those things are connected. He says this about the day of Christ being at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a what? A falling away first. Uh, so what you're looking at here is the description of the last days. And uh, in the description of the last days, you've got seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, and you've got a list of what uh, the world looks like and what the church looks like in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and here we see that there's a falling away. You know what that tells me? Uh, there's going to be some serious spiritual opposition in these last days. And uh, Christian, my, my goal tonight is to kind of help you along uh, in that. Uh, we're all in this thing together. And uh, I, ho- I hope the Lord comes back soon. I- I'd love to come back tonight. I would. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, if he does, listen, let me tell you, I've learned this a long time ago. If when we talk about the Lord's coming, you get weirded out, there's one of two issues. Either you're not saved and you're wrecked spiritually and you're, you're scared about what's coming and you know that there's something missing and you need to get saved. Or you're saved and you're just not living right. All right. But if you love the Lord and you're walking with Jesus Christ, you ought to be excited about him coming back. All right, let's go, Lord, in prayer, and let's ask for Brother Joe, since I picked on, picked on you mercilessly, would you help us get in the right spirit, all right, and make sure we can do the Bible study the right way. Would you ask the Lord's blessing? Yep, amen. 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 I'm about to say something that may sound like a shocking statement. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it for the, for shock value. All right, and I'm going to encourage you to do a couple things tonight. I'm going to encourage you to, if you have your phone on, maybe turn it off, all right? Uh, and, and secondly, just kind of tune out the world for a little bit, because I can tell you one of the things that the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 13 is the, the parable of the sower and seed. And what happens, you, you got maybe an hour tonight, maybe that, to get the Word of God in. And already what the devil has already done in the last few minutes, and it happens to all of us, believe it or not, even when preachers are praying, do you know what happens? I got this going on at the church. I got to think about this. I got to do this. You know what the devil will do? He'll come in like the birds, the fowls of the air. He'll come in and scoop up the word of God. And five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, God forbid, an hour later, you're like, huh, what was just going on? Uh, you don't want that to be you. Turn the phone off. Get your mind and heart in tune with the spirit of God tonight. Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, but, but can I say this? Not for shock value, but just because I believe it is a biblical statement. I believe that the devils, demons, I'm going to use that, I'm going to use the word demons, even though the word demon is not found in your Bible. I'll use that word because that's a word that you're familiar with. The Bible word is devils, all right? Uh, the, the devils are aware of things that Christians are not. There are some things that the devils believe more right now than God's people do. Let me give you one of those things. I, I am convinced the devils are more aware of where we're at in God's timeline than most Christians are today. I'm convinced the devils understand. And the reason I know that is by looking at the template from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and seeing the demonic and devilish activity that was going on in his day and what Paul says is going to go on in the latter days of the church. There are seducing spirits They're going out and deceiving God's own people and drawing them away from their Bible and drawing them away from the church and drawing. You say, what is the work of the devil? He wants to withstand you and to resist you and to oppose you. Why? That's his job. Listen, I'm not surprised about that. What I'm surprised about is when Christians get withstood and opposed and resisted, they go, I can't believe this is happening. Man, believe it. That's what the book said would happen. (laughs) Especially as we get closer and closer to the Lord's coming. 
Uh, listen, I, I believe that, that Paul, uh, look that if you would, at, at, uh, go back to Second uh, Timothy chapter number three. I believe that Paul believed with all of his heart the Lord could come back in his day. I, I believe that. Uh, look if you would at Second Timothy chapter three. Look if you would at uh, verse number one. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Question, question. Uh, when Paul wrote this, all right, was it in the year 2023 that he wrote this? All right, so this is 2000, almost 2,000 years ago that he wrote this, and yet he's giving instruction to a young man about the latter days. And yet we know from history that that young man was not, is not here right now to experience the latter days. So why do you suppose that Paul wrote about it? You know what I believe? The human answer is this. Paul believed the Lord could come back in his day. You know how you'd be living your life? As the Lord coming back right now. Uh, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble if you do that. Uh, secondly, I believe the reason he wrote that is for a divine purpose. The Holy Spirit of God inspired him to give us instruction as believers in the last days to understand what it is that we would be facing in these last days. All right, now look if you would at uh, verse number eight. Verse number eight, now as Janus and Jambres, 2 Timothy 3, withstood Moses. You say, what is this? This is an illustration that Paul uses from the Old Testament. Now, you know what's really interesting about this? Those names are not divulged in the Old Testament. You don't know what their names are. It just calls them magicians. As a matter of fact, just for sake of, uh, of understanding and context, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, go to Exodus chapter number 7. Exodus chapter number 7. Exodus chapter number 7. And as you turn there, understand that Paul gives an illustration in verse number 8. Uh, with Janus and Jambres, withstanding Moses. The, the word withstood or withstand means to resist or to oppose with strong force. All right, so, so, so understand that when Moses was raised up to deliver God's people, all right, and, and, and if you think about it, what Moses experiences as they go through that body of water, I realize tonight I'm going to go through some things really fast, and some are going to get it, some of you are not, but the typology from the Old Testament is something like this. As Moses brings God's people from the Old Testament, yes, they're the nation of Israel, but they are a picture of the church today, and there's a deliverer that brings them out. You know what he does? He brings them through a body of water that God parts. You know what's going to happen when you cross through and you go up through glory? You know what's going to happen when you get up there? You're going to get up there, there's a body of water. And you know what the Bible talks about? The Bible talks about in John chapter 10. I know, again, this is going to go over some of your heads. I'm sorry. In John chapter 10 talks about the thief that tries to come through another way. And he's going to try to come up there. And God's going to say, you're not coming in. Just like Pharaoh tried to come in. Are you with me right now? Just like Pharaoh tried to come in right behind him, and he brought the waters right back over, and he said, you're not coming in, you're not coming in the right way. So it's a picture of something. It's a picture of taking God's people from Egypt, the world, into the promised land. Are you with me right now? All right, so, so when, when Moses is trying to do that, who are some people that, that are in his way? Well, we understand that Pharaoh's one of them, but Pharaoh's like the big guy. Pharaoh's like the devil. You know what Janus and Jambres are? They're a picture of those spirits that come against you as a Christian. And you know what they do? They withstand you. They oppose you. They resist you. And, and, and you experience that sometimes at work. You experience that sometimes you're trying to be a witness. You experience that sometimes in your own life, in your own thought life. You experience that sometimes maybe even in your own home. But I can tell you this much, that's not God's spirit. <laughs> All right, well, some things I've learned about God's Spirit is God's Spirit, when He leads, He is gentle, and, and He speaks in a still, small voice, and He does not control, He does not manipulate. God simply says, this is truth. Would you like it? It's on you to take it. You know, God, you know why God does that? I'll tell you, the, the, the best answer I have on why God does not make us do the right thing, God is not insecure in who He is. You ever notice how parents sometimes, how come, listen, I'm, I'm, when it comes to sports, if, if my kid plays a sport, I want them to give their best. I don't care if they win. I want them to give their best. If my kid doesn't win, it doesn't make me look like a bad parent. You ever watch those parents that are just like, you know, you need a, and I can't believe it. No, 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 no. You know what the real problem is? That parent is insecure. And they see that kid as a reflection on it. God, listen. God does not become less God because we're not listening to him, all right? And, and so you as a child of God understand the spirit of God goes this way. The spirit of the world goes, you better or else. You know what's so funny? I've learned this. The spirit of this world that says that God is a tyrant, man, they are getting ready for the most tyrannical stuff that's ever been on this earth. 
And you know why? Because when you don't follow God's authority, you know what's interesting? I know I'm bing, 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 bing all over the place. Bear with me. I got a lot of thoughts and I'm trying to rein them in. Ephesians chapter 6, don't turn there, but it talks about spiritual warfare, does it not? It talks about the whole armor of God. We're going to get there by the end of the, of the study. All right, do you know how that chapter starts? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You know how the, the chapter before it ends? Wives, submit yourselves and your own husbands as unto the Lord. I know it also talks about men loving their wives as Christ loved the church. I'm not taking away from that. But there's this idea of authority. And, and he, he goes in there from the, the angle of authority. He goes, okay, if you're not willing to follow the right authority, let me tell you right now, you are not going to be ready spiritually to fight anything. So, so, so the idea tonight is simply this. As we draw closer and closer, look at Exodus chapter 7, to the last days of the church, and I hope I showed you a little bit on Sunday in Sunday school how we are in that second day after the cross, all right? We are six days into this thing, if you will. The next day is the Sabbath day. It's a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. It's a rest, all right? I don't know how close we are to that. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I've heard this. Uh, if, uh, <clears throat> if it goes back to the, uh, the death of the testator and the uh, sealing of the covenant, of that new covenant, and uh, uh, Messiah the prince is cut off in 33 AD, then maybe it's 2,000 years post-33 AD. Maybe it's 2033. Great. I still have no idea when it is. I don't know. Here's what I can tell you. You ought to live right now as if Jesus Christ was coming back. Uh, because I'm going to tell you right now, it, I, don't, I think the reason why the Lord doesn't just tell us here's the day is because he wants you to be looking for him. I believe that. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, Exodus chapter number 7, look at verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, went in on Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. All right, well, read the next verse. What do the magicians do? Now, it doesn't say they made it look like it. It says they did it. That's power. You know what they did? They withstood Moses, and they hardened the heart. That, that was used to harden the heart of Pharaoh. And they withstood him by trying to imitate the work of God. You know what Paul says? They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof from such turn away. And you know, the idea is this. In the last days, you know what you're seeing right now? A fake version of Christianity. And there's so much pressure on you as a Christian just to conform to that. And to go along with this fake version of Christianity. Now, look, I'm not here to tell you there are people that go to a different church down the road. They're my brothers in Christ. I love them. I don't hate them. I don't think I'm better than them. I, I, there's some friends of mine that go to a different, ch different churches. I don't think less of them. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of pressure on you in here right now for you to change how your kids were raised and for you to change what your standards are, and for you to change what, what's acceptable as far as your music is concerned, and for you to change, why does it say thee and thou? Why can't you update it? And all that stuff. You say, what is that? That pressure's not from God. <laughs> you know what that is? That's something withstanding you, resisting you. And, and, and we're going to get to this, but the question is, what do you do when you're resisted? What do you do when you are opposed? Uh, go with me, if you would, in Revelation chapter number 16. Revelation chapter 16. Now, uh, what, what's interesting, when you study these, these magicians, that's who Janus and Jambres are, they're magicians that try to imitate the work of God. And, and by doing that, they, they convince certain people that God is less than who he is. Does that make sense? That the work of God is, is not supernatural, that it is trivial, that, hey, we don't have to do it God's way. Uh, you may remember the story of David and when David has a desire and a burden and he's zealous in, uh, to uh, bring back the ark of God, remember that story? And the Bible says that they put that ark on a new covenant, on a new uh, cart. Now, you know the story. If you've read your Old Testament, they were never supposed to put it on a new cart. They were supposed to carry it. You say, what was that? That was a burden. That was harder. Does this make sense? Are there not some things that when you look at the Bible and you look at New Testament Christianity and what the Bible says about how you want to live your Christian life, that it just seems like I could take the easier route? You know what that is? That's pressure constantly coming your way to go, just give in a little bit. Just, it's not that big of a deal. Who cares if you miss Wednesday night? Who cares if you go? Who cares if you do this? Who cares if you pray? Who cares if you read your Bible? You say, what is that? There's just constant friction, constantly going, it doesn't really matter. That's the spirit of the age. 
Everyone do whatever you want. Every man do that which is right in his own eyes. They put that ark on that new, on that new cart, and you know how the story goes. That oxen starts to shake. You say, why? Because it's what oxens do. <laughs> There's nothing in the story that, goes, that makes me go, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. But, but for, for the people that were there in that moment, do you know how they felt? I can't believe this happened. Do you know when there's a spiritual catastrophe in your life, do you know what it oftentimes goes back to? A pressure to quit doing it the way God said to do it. Let me just get a new cart. And you put it on a new cart. And you know what happens? It's not just you that gets hurt. Others get hurt. David goes, well, I'm, 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 I'm zealous. I'm dancing before the Lord, and I'm singing, and I'm doing this and doing that. Can I say this, folks? God appreciates zeal, and God appreciates spirit. Uh, but a lot of people get hurt with a lot of zeal with no knowledge. You know, Romans says uh, about Israel, it says that they have a zeal for God, but no knowledge. No knowledge of who? Of Christ. And so you know what you need? You need both of those things put together. In these last days, you know what the mantra is of the church? But I love God, but I love God, but I love God, but I love God. It doesn't matter as long as I love God. Uh, and God doesn't care. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. Listen, you do the best you can, but can I say this? Can you do it according to the word of God? That'll help you out a lot. Because you know what the pressure is right now? Just give in. Just give in. There are some of you right now. I don't need you to raise your hand. God knows. Right now, who there was pressure for you just not even to make it tonight. It would have been a whole lot easier for you to stay home. And you push through and you push through and you push through. And, and I praise God that you're here. And let me tell you this. If nobody else knows your story, God does. Not everybody needs to know, but God knows your story. And the resistance that you face to get here, can I say this? What that will do is it will build some character in your life. And what you're seeing in the last days is simply this. Um, uh, look, if you would, at Revelation chapter 16. And what you're going to find is you're going to find that there's some, some uh, unclean spirits that are released. Now, look, this takes place after we are out of here. Understand that. This is what goes on during the Great Tribulation. I want to be clear about that, but I want to use it to illustrate something. Look at Revelation chapter 16. <coughs> and look, if you would, at verse number 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, and that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Uh, you say, what is that? There's going to be an army that comes against Israel in the battle of Megiddo. We know it as Armageddon. That's the Greek form of the Hebrew Megiddo. And, and there's going to be these armies that come through. Uh, look at uh, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Come out of the what? Mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of what? And what are they doing? You mean they're not making everybody foam at the mouth and, and they're not, not every devil thing is like the exorcist, like the movies you see in Hollywood? Sometimes the devils imitate what God wants to do in your life and they do it on their own. You say, why? It goes back to the very beginning. I will, I will, I will, I will. I don't need God. That's the spirit in which you're living right now. And there's pressure not just from the world, but from saved people. You don't have to do it God's way. You can do it another way. You know what we tell our young people? Hey, get married the right way. You know what the world's telling you? Do whatever you feel like. Yeah. Yep. You say, what is that? Just pressure. You know, you know what, the, what, we, what the Bible teaches? If you're going to go down the, the road of, of dating, you know what the purpose is? Marriage. Right. You're not here to window shop. Amen. Window shopping gets a lot of people hurt. And you know what's going to happen? You get together with your family, and, and someone's talking to your kid, and they go, oh, why aren't you dating me, huh? Why aren't you dating me, huh? And you go, well, we're not, they're not there yet. Well, why not? And all of a sudden, you got this pressure. You say, what is that? And that's just one illustration. You understand what I'm talking about. You say to your kids, hey, you're not going to dress that way. And they get around friends and cousins and whoever else, and everybody goes, what's the big deal? Pressure. And you go, why'd you take him out of school? You're going to make him a weirdo. Pressure constant pressure all the time. You see, what is it? Just resist, re pushing on you. Now, look, there's a couple ways to deal with that. One way is to play dead. And I want to tell you, that doesn't work really well. All right? Um, uh, let, let, me, let me say this as well. I'm going to use this as an illustration, all right? It's not a political statement. Uh, but there's a reason why there's not a lot of crime where I live. I don't live in Aurora. I live in Bennett. You know why there's not a lot of crime? Because everyone's armed. You stroll up into someone's house in my neighborhood and you're not invited, you're not making it out alive, buddy. You know what a lot of... Now, that's not a political statement. I'm just using it as an illustration. You know why a lot of Christians 
are getting throttled in the last days because they're not armed. And I know some Christians, but my, my First Amendment right, my Second Amendment right, you know, I'm 2A, you know, I've got my guns. Great, praise God. What about this book? What about your sword? Are you armed? Do you understand what's coming? Understand this. That's where the world is headed. Spirits that are speaking through the mouth of the devil himself. We're not there yet, but boy, we're gearing up for it. Now, now let me, let me uh, illustrate this way. Go to, this is midweek Bible. All right, so go to, go to Matthew, if you would. Uh, Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew chapter 8. Didn't the Lord say as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? Yeah. All right. So if you go back to Noah's day, there's a couple things that stick out. Um, I'm learning out of room over here. So in Noah's day, what do you have? You've got the sons of God. You say, what is it? Spiritual wickedness in high places coming down. We're just going to call them for sake of time fallen angels. All right? And you know what you've got? You've got, I'm going to keep it PG. You've got a lot of perversion. Can you guys read between the lines there and understand what I'm talking about? All right? And so this is what you have in Noah's day. And he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming Son of Man. As you get closer and closer to the Lord coming back, uh, do, you, do you understand? As you get closer and closer to that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have more of both of these things going on. Spiritual wickedness in high places attacking and perversion. And, and I know that's not a surprise to a lot of you, but for some of you that might be news, all right? As it was back then, that's how it's going to be when the Lord, as he gets closer to the Lord coming back. Why does this matter so much? Well, think about this. Um, during the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, didn't it seem like everywhere he went, People were filled with devils. Um, I want to be careful how I mention this, but do you notice he never recommends... Now, listen to me very carefully, all right? Very carefully. There is a place for medicine. Do not leave here and say, Pastor said never take medicine. You are not in some kooky cult, all right? If your kid's got a 104-degree fever, for the love of God, give him some antibiotics. I'm going to stick this through. Please help him out, all right? We're, we're, not, we're not there. We're not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to say this. Did you notice that the Lord does not take someone that is manic depressive? And if you were to look at the maniac of Gadara, you could make the argument he's exactly that. He doesn't take someone that's manic depressive, and he doesn't say, I need you to go see this counselor. I know I just broke the ceiling right there. I just shattered the whole thing. What did he do? He dealt with the spiritual issue. Now, um, during the Lord's ministry, everywhere he goes, there are people that have unclean spirits. And uh, I'd like to take one of these nights and focus, and on, this is not a joke, on just what you see with the stories and the narrative in the New Testament with young people that were afflicted and what the Bible says about that. All right? But, but having said that, everywhere the Lord goes, there's these people that have devils, and he's casting them out, and so are his apostles. Now, I want to be real careful. We are Bible believers. You know what that means? That, believes that, that, that means that we believe in rightly dividing the Word of God. It is not my job to start a devil-casting-out ministry at New Heights Baptist Church. All right? That's not my job. I, I'm not one of the apostles. I don't have the apostolic signs. That's not what I'm getting at. All right? However, I will say this. You need to understand that in the last days, just as it was when the Lord came the first time, you're going to see an uptick in spiritual activity. All right. Uh, look at Matthew chapter. Uh, what was it? Ma- chapter eight. Is that what I said? All right. Look at Matthew chapter eight. And look, if you would, at verse number twenty nine and look what the devil say here. And behold, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the what? You know what that tells me? They know what's coming. Some Christians don't. They do. And you know what they're saying? Hey, uh, you shouldn't be doing this here. It's not time yet. Like the whole last judgment thing doesn't take place until right before eternity in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, it, it's before the time. And, and they didn't necessarily understand what year it was, but they knew that this isn't the right time. Can you leave us alone? All right. In other words, they were in tune at least with understanding. There's a timeline to this. All right. And you know what they're saying? Uh, we don't leave us alone. We, 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 we want to do what we want to do. All right. Well, let me say this. Uh, go to Revelation chapter number 12. Revelation chapter 12. All right. So they, they ask about before the time. 
And understand that the devil knows that he has but a short time. Revelation chapter 12. Look if you would at verse number 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you. Having great wrath. Why is he mad? Why is he upset? So as you get closer to the Lord's coming and the Lord taking control, and the Lord establishing his kingdom, as you get closer and closer to that, you know what the devils do? They resist, and they push back more. I was talking with someone before church. I don't know who it was or even what it was about. It's Brother Sean, Brother Sean. We were talking about how it doesn't make sense when you look at the character of the devil, and he knows the end, and he still fights. Like, what is your, what's your goal here? You know what his goal is? To take as many with him as he can. And if he can't take you with him to hell, if you're saved, you know what he wants to do? He wants to withstand you. And he wants to resist you. And Listen, um, I know some of you hate football and have no use for it. But if you ever watch, some of you guys that like football, some of you ladies that like football, you know when you come right off the line, and I don't know a football expert, I played in high school, that's, I didn't play college or anything like that. I'm not trying to be, you know, back in my day I was nothing greater, right? But, 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 but when you come right off that line, you're supposed to explode if you're a lineman. If you're a wide receiver, you know what a cornerback will oftentimes do? He'll chip you. Why, why does he do that? Well, he knows he can't stop you. Right. He doesn't know what route you're going to run. He's not sure where you're headed. But if he can at least startle you and delay you for a second and make you question where you're going, right. he can get you off path. Because right. listen, the cornerback calls the play and he goes, this is the route. And before you, while you're in the huddle, you know, that's the route I'm supposed to run. When you get chipped, sometimes it takes you by surprise. You go, what am I doing? You know what the devil wants to do in these last days? Just get you to do just that. And get you to go, okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? What's going on? To confuse you. That's his job. He knows that he has but a little time, a short time. All right? He's got a short time. So you know what it is? He's angry. So think about this. If the Lord, during his first coming, you saw demonic activity and rage and devils come out of people and all that kind of craziness, don't be surprised if in these last days you see all kinds of crazy stuff as well. Now, now, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this real, real quick, but I want you to get it. Not every devilish thing is someone foaming at the mouth or yelling. Now, I'll tell you right now, going to a college campus, you see a lot of devilish activity. But the difference is it's in your face there. In a lot of society, it's not like that. And I'll say this, in your life, it's more than likely not going to be that way either. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be to get you to question what God said. It's going to be to get you to question what God's called you to do. It's going to be to get you to question the, 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 the value in coming to church. It's going to be to question whether or not you really need to read your Bible. To question, just get you to just say what? Just resist to push back. Now, the question is this. What do you do when you get that? Now, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not, I'm not an expert here. Um, but I got boys, and boys are different than girls. I don't care what the world says. They are different. And I'm trying to teach them to hold the door for ladies. Man, we can't, it was so funny. Uh, there was some, some older, sweet black ladies coming out of a, door, uh, out of a, a restaurant, and my boys opened the door. Oh, my goodness, look at these young men. They're so cute. They just thought it was the cutest thing to open I'm trying to teach them, hey, you open doors for ladies. Hey, be respectful. Hey, don't pick a fight. At, at the same time, I've told Preston, if someone ever comes after your brother and you don't do anything, I'm going to come after you. <coughs> All right? And so you know what that teaches you as a child of God? You've been saved for how long? You're not old enough to do this, bro. All right, 15 years. Uh, you've been saved for 15 years. When there's someone that's been saved for a year and you see them struggling spiritually, look out for them. Look out for them. You say, why? Because what's happening oftentimes is you're getting picked on by a bully. Uh, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll what? He'll flee from you. You know why? Because bullies, they thrive on the fact that you won't do anything. There's these videos circulating all over the Internet of people getting, you know, shot or, you know, held up at gunpoint in broad daylight in, in uh, certain cities in the U.S., and it was a shame to see that stuff. You know what that thrives off of? People that don't push back. And let me tell you something. The devil's a bully. You know what he wants to do? He wants to come in your life and steal, kill, and destroy your joy, your peace, your love, all that is precious that God's gifted you with through the Spirit of God. You know what he wants to do? He wants to go, you know what? You can forsake all this and enjoy this over here for a time. He wants to say, you know what? If you're going to go in this direction, I'm just going to push you. Have you noticed this? Some of you that have been saved for any amount of time, maybe you haven't been saved all that long. It seems like 
Now that I'm trying to follow the Lord, I'm getting pushback. I'm getting this resistance. Can I tell you that? That's normal. And as we go closer and closer to the Lord's coming, it's going to be even more normal. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'll say it like this. Uh, the instruction that you're given, and we're going to see this, if the devil's job is to withstand you, then you know what your job is? To withstand the withstanding. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Um, you say, what does that mean? That means you, gotta, you, gotta, you get to have, the world calls it uh, mental toughness. You know what we call it? The strength that comes from the Spirit of God. Uh, it's an understanding that, that this life is temporary and it's fleeting, and what really matters is eternal. And, and Lord, I see through all this. I see this as a spiritual battle. And you know what you need to say? You need to fall on your face and go, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your spirit. I need your strength. I need your grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. And there's a, there's a whole passage here. But, but look, if you would, at verse number 11. There's some words I want to point out to you. All right, we're not going to go through the entire armor tonight. We'll do that in the coming weeks. But look at Ephesians chapter 6. And if you would, look, if you would, at verse number uh, uh, 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord in the power of your might. Is that what it says? No. Not about how strong you are. It's about how strong he is. You know, Paul says, when I'm weak. You, you know why sometimes the Lord allows you to go through some challenges? He wants you to rely on his strength. That's training. You say, what's that for? So that when the enemy comes against you, you know where to fall. Uh, look, if you would, at verse 11. Put all in the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. What's the word after Stand. If you're, if you're not against anything, can I say this? You're not for anything either. Amen. You have to learn to stand against some things in the Christian life. Now, it doesn't mean you... Do not, misunderstand, do not walk out here and be the person that stands against everything. <laughs> Coffee's of the devil. Caffeine. Don't drink it. You know? Sugar. The other white devil. That's right. That's right. It's, just, it's a gateway drug to cocaine. Sugar than cocaine, right? I mean, like, it's... There's some, some, some Christians are so against things that they don't need to be against, like all the time. I, but, but there's some things you ought to be against in the Christian life. There, there's some things you ought to draw a line and go, you know what, I'm not for that, I'm against that. Why? Because it's going to hurt my children. It's going to hurt my testimony. It's going to hurt my walk with God. It's going to hurt my faith. It's going to hurt my church family. And Christian, can I encourage you to do this? Quit being selfish about what you do and think to yourself, will this hurt another believer? You know, we're living in the last days when it's all about myself and the rights of the people and what I think is okay and all that, what, what my choices are my choices. No, your choices hurt other people as well. Or they can encourage and they can build them up. The choice is yours. But, but the idea is simply this. As we live in these last days, Christian, you need to learn to stand against some things. Well, look if you would at verse number 12. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules. You know what that is? That's offensive. That's not me waiting for the fight to come to me. That's me going, I want you to know this is where I stand. And when, it, when, when things are going to come my way, I'm getting out in front of it. The Bible says a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. In so many words, you ought to say, look, I'm drawing a line. This is where I stand by the grace of God. Not because I'm somebody, but because of who he's called me to be. And in these last days, you know what it takes? It takes more lines to be drawn. And the spirit of our ages, get rid of all the lines. Draw the line and stand there. <laughs> and don't move. <laughs> you, you say, what is it? Man, you're, you're pushing against what you're... If you are going to be successful as a Christian, you have to resist the resistance. You've got to learn to push back. All right, look if you would at verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to what? Isn't that what Janus and Jambres did to Moses? They withstood him. They resisted. So God goes, you resist. You resist. You do it in the power of my spirit, but it's your turn. You can't just stand there and hope that everything turns out okay. It's like the folks who go, I'm just praying on God's leading. I just pray to God. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If you're waiting on God's leading to tell you to go to church when he already gave you a book that told you to go to church, you're waiting for the wrong thing. He, he's not going to write it in the sky. In other words, when you know what's right, stand on it. Don't move. Push back. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice standing against, standing at withstanding and stand over and over. You know what he's telling you? Hey, 
Don't move from what is right. <laughs> look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look what Paul says here and we'll wrap it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christian, understand where you're at in God's timeline. The day of Christ is at hand. And uh, I'm not here to tell you I know exactly what day it is, but I know it's coming. And I know it's sooner today than it was yesterday. And uh, as we get closer and closer to that, you're going to see a lot more spiritual opposition come against the church. And it's time that the church goes, all right, well, if that's how it's going to be, then I'm going to be against it. Uh, I, I think that was the statement that was brought to Martin Luther. Martin Luther, don't you realize the whole world's against you? And you know what he said? That I'm against it. <laughs> All right, well, then, listen, if, if, if the resistance is going to be against you as a Christian, and, and can I just say this? Do not be one of the people that adds to the resistance that's coming against God's church. Don't aid the enemy, all right? In, in so many words, when you see someone struggling in the Christian life, don't kick them while they're down. Help them up. Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look if you would at verse number... 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Is it the mic? Is it this? Is this spiritual opposition? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, is it the prince and power of the air? It might be. Uh, but uh, can I ask you a question? Do you, should I turn this off? I don't know what I should do. Tell me. Okay, I'll switch this off. Here we go. Pulpit mic. You know what that means? I have to stand still. I just told you guys to stand and not to move. And now the Lord's like, you show them how to do it. All right, Lord, help me right now. Because by nature, I don't stand still very well. Uh, but but do, do, you, do, you, do you always feel like you're on the winning side? The answer is no. You know what it takes? Faith. Uh, he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the shield of faith in Ephesians. You know what that means? When those fiery darts are thrown your way and the devil causes you to doubt and the devil causes you to put, put you in a place where you're feeling that resistance, rather than just lying down, pick up your shield and go, but, but it is written. But it is written. But it is written. You say, what? I, I'm, I'm building my faith by applying what God said. All right? Uh, look at First Corinthians 15. Look, if you would, at verse 50, uh, 58. Therefore, my, my beloved brethren, best advice I can give you, Preacher, I had this problem. What should I do? Well, if you thought God was good in the good times, don't leave him in the hard times. If you thought God was good when your friends were getting saved, don't, don't forsake him when your family's picking on you for being a Christian. Are you understand what I'm saying? Uh, what, what I'm saying is be steadfast. Don't, don't, don't allow the winds, the doctrines of devils and the winds of this world and the spirits in the last days to push you off the mark. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What's the next word? Mm. Don't move. Uh, I heard a saying a long time ago, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And when the times are good and you go, God is so good. All right. Well, what about when resistance comes your way? Is he still good? What about when opposition comes your way? Is he still good? What about when they make fun of you? Is he still good? What about when the family says you're in a cult? <laughs> is he still good? Uh, man, if this is a cult, we're a pretty bad one. We can't raise enough money to build a building. <laughs> I mean, the real cults know how to make money, man. Uh, you haven't moved out to my compound yet, and don't worry, I ain't inviting you. All right? So we're a bad cult if we are one. Uh, but when the stuff comes your way, you know you have to learn to do. Go, Lord, I'm just not moving. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, this isn't for sale. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I want to close with this thought because Paul says, "Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord." In the Old Testament, there's a story uh, about a man. It just it's mentioned in passing amongst David among David's mighty men. And the Bible talks about this man standing on a parcel of ground that was full of lentils. You know what we would call that today? A hill of beans. You know, they say, that ain't worth a hill of beans. Well, that guy killed some dudes when they tried to take his hill of beans. You know what that guy was? He was unmovable for God. You know what the Lord wants to see from us? 
well, you know, Lord, maybe the world doesn't think a whole lot about this, but my family's the hill of beans that you gave me. So I'm going to fight for them spiritually. You know what? This church may not mean a whole lot to the world, but this, this church is my hill of beans that you gave me. So I'm going to fight for it. Uh, Lord, uh, this book, the world doesn't think much of it. You know, I love, Steon, you've seen this at work. I love nothing more than to be in a meeting at work and, and talk about some, some neat story from ancient Hebrew history. That's how I throw it out there. Ancient Hebrew literature, ancient Hebrew poetry. Ooh. And they're like, what book is that? The Bible. <laughs> and you've seen, it's fun, man. And you throw these things out there, and you say, what is that? This is my hill of beans. And the world may not think a whole lot of it, but I'm not moving from it. You know why? Because the, the same book that brought me the blessings got me through the hard times, too. And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, uh, if, if we're going to do anything for God in these last days, we need to understand there's going to be opposition, there's going to be withstanding, there's going to be pressure. As we get closer and closer to two, let me tell you two things. As we get closer to the Lord's coming, and as you guys keep witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, and people keep getting saved here, and people keep getting discipled, that's not going to go without being noticed spiritually. There's going to be opposition. Do not go, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe the trouble that's come our way, the trouble's come our Listen, God has been so good to our church. He's been good to all of us, but we're going to experience some things. You know what it's going to take? Lord, by your grace, I'm going to stand here, and I'm not moving. You say, why? Because I know where you've planted me, and I know what this is. This is opposition coming our way. And can I say this? Uh, how many of you have gotten saved in the last five years? Raise your hand if you would. Last five years. All right, raise them a little bit higher if you don't mind, please. I, I, there's a reason for this. All right, so about half of you, from what I can see. If the Christians that have been saved longer had quit in this church before five years ago, where would you be? So you know what the, you know what the answer is? Now it's your turn. And you that have been around for 15 years or whatever it may be, you know what it is? It's your time to say, I'm not moving. Why? Because there's more people out there, just like the ones that raised their hand, that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are more lives out there that need to be restored. Guys, I'm going to tell you this in closing. We live in a city of three and a half million people. We are far from being done with what God's asked us to do. Until he blows that trumpet, you know what our job is to do? To fight the good fight of faith. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to church tonight and just study your word. God, my, my main thought, I don't know if I got it across the right way, Lord, I know I was, Lord, uh, excited, Lord, to get this out. I, my main thought was just as we continue and get closer to you, to your coming, to fulfilling what you've asked us to do with the Great Commission, Lord, uh, there's no way to escape it. Lord, there's going to be withstanding, there's going to be opposition. God, I pray that you would strengthen your people. Lord, give them stamina. Give them the resolve. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would fill them, Lord, and that, that, that you would help them, Lord, as, as a body, Lord, to encourage each other, Lord, to lift each other up when one is down, and Lord, to, to not move. Lord, too many Christians have moved off the mark because there's been a push and there's been a, a resistance. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to push back, Lord, and not through our own power, but through yours, and through the power of this book, through the power of your Spirit. Well, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If the Lord's, Lord's uh, dealt with some folks praying here, let's just give them a moment. The Lord's dealt with you. You're welcome to do that. Um, I understand it's Wednesday night Bible study, but if God moves you and you take a moment to pray, do that. Do that. You know, if you don't have anything to pray about right now, maybe pray for someone else. You know, sometimes you come to church and go, ah, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I needed that. Maybe someone else did. And maybe you can pray for them. Um, you know what the devil wants now that you're saved? He wants to knock you out. He wants to make you useless for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say this, Christian? Don't, don't ever join the cynic side. That's easy. You're... say this as graciously as I can a coward is the cynic anyone can 
kind of say, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I knew that was going to That's a coward's way out. You know, you know what real courage takes? Getting up over and over and over and getting other people up over and over and over. In these last days, we need each other. We need the, the, the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. I recognize we didn't get to break down the entire armor, but you can't run. <laughs> I, I don't mean to pick on anyone, but if you ever watch someone run with their pants halfway down, it's really kind of hard to get far. You don't run races that way, that's for sure. You got to pick them up over and over and over. You know, the Bible says your loins are to be girded about with truth. You know, the belt that keeps this whole thing together is truth. Sometimes the biggest attack on you is on your mind and on your emotions. God gave you emotions because we are made in his image. But man, you don't want to let those things run you. I can knock it right out. something from the Word of God. Understand uh, we are in the last days. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean I, that the Lord's coming back tomorrow. I don't know. But you have to understand, the last days in the Lord's mind may not be what the last days means in your mind. All right? You're impatient. When, whenever you take your kids somewhere, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I feel some way that, I feel sometimes that's kind of what happens with us. Lord, you said this is the last days. Are you here yet? Are you here yet? Are you here The Lord's like, well, my perception of time is different than yours. Uh, but I can tell you this, according to this book and how it describes the last days, we're there. And uh, I want to encourage you guys to not give up any ground in your life. Uh, let's go, Lord, in prayer. I want to say this as well. Uh, I will be uh, preaching a, a revival meeting in uh, Kentucky Sunday through Wednesday. Um, and we'll have our brother uh, Tim preach on Sunday. So you pray for Brother Tim if you guys would. Uh, and we'll have Brother Sean preach next Wednesday night. Pray for these men. Pray for each other. And if you don't mind, uh, I hope it's not sounding selfish when I ask this. I need your guys' prayers, though. Um, and uh, I want to be a blessing to this church. And I, I, for those who go, Pastor, why do, you, why do you preach to other churches? Why don't you just stay here? I'd like to just stay here. Um, but my job is to follow what God gives me to do. And let me also say, New Heights Baptist Church, we've been the beneficiary of our church's name getting out there. And people praying for us and people knowing about the work because God's allowed me to go to some other places and preach. So this, we receive a direct benefit from that. Can I ask you guys to pray for that if you would? I'd greatly appreciate it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and uh, be dismissed. Uh, Brother Tim, if you'd ask God's blessing on what we just heard. Lord, sure.